Hello, witchy friends, and welcome to this bonus episode, which is also episode three of the Comfy Cozy Witch podcast with me, Jenny Blonde, the Comfy Cozy Witch. And if you listened to the podcast earlier this week, episode two, which was all about Samhain, you knew that I was going to be releasing this bonus little episode that is all about my connection with my ancestors through a Ouija board when I was 11 years old, so 20 some years ago, and an experience I will never forget. But at the time, I did not realize it was my ancestors contacting me. I didn't know this until many years later when I was having a conversation with my mother at my grandmother's house. So listen up, and I'm going to tell you that story in just a little bit. But before I get into that, I want to talk about what is currently making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy. As you know, I spend a lot of time outside, and this week it has been particularly rainy. I mean, every single day this week it has rained. Um, Some days the entire day, other days sporadically throughout the course of the day. So I've been spending a lot of time inside. And this has given me a really great opportunity to catch up on some reading, but also it's given me the opportunity to watch a little more television than I normally would. And so what I want to talk about that is making me me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy this week is a television show, actually. And some may say it's a cheesy show. I Maybe it is a little bit, but I just love it. It is called The Good Witch. And right now it is streaming on Netflix, so I've been catching it on Netflix. And I believe it originally aired on Hallmark and um, had episodes or movies years ago on Hallmark, but it has been turned into a series. And apparently they're on the sixth season now. And I know episode, or I'm sorry, seasons one through five are currently on Netflix. So I've been catching them on Netflix. And it is, it is just a comforting and cozy show because first it takes place in a little town called Middleton where everybody knows one another. It's very Gilmore Girl, very Stars Hollow-ish if you're familiar with Gilmore Girls and immediately that is just cozy. Excuse me. And it is about a woman who is a witch and a good witch obviously because the name of the show is called The Good Witch And she lives in this town of Middleton, and she runs her own shop called The Bell, Book, and Candle. How appropriate and perfect. And in the shop, she sells antique goods, and she makes tinctures and sells teas and herbs and essential oils. And the whole premise of the show begins when this new doctor is moving into town and he's your traditional uh, doctor who likes to prescribe the medicine and the pills and has no room for herbal supplements and teas. And so, of course, when he meets Cassie, who is also his next door neighbor, of course, I mean, (laughs) we know how these shows go. Um, He meets her, he kind of scoffs at her methods, her witchy ways of using the oils and helping people in her town with their ailments through natural means. Uh, but of course, over the series, over the course of the series, they fall for each other. And it's just, it's really cute and cozy. And like I said, it is television 
where I don't have to think much. Earlier this week, I don't know if you if you saw on my Instagram, I was having a bit of a rough week uh, and I'm not afraid to talk about mental health. I have some issues with anxiety and I was anxious. I had kind of a panic attack one night and so I wasn't doing very well. And, you know, I got through it with my breathing exercises and here I am and being, being completely uh, transparent for you all. But, but it's so important that we can talk about it. So one thing that helps me get out of like those anxious times, yes, is breathing, but it's finding something that is just comforting. And this week, this television show, The Good Witch, has been that for me. My ritual work is as well, my meditation, of course, but this has been a nice addition to the week, especially with the weather being so poor with the rain and everything. I've been turning on The Good Witch and it's just making me feel happy and comfy and cozy. And I curl up on my chair. I have a little recliner chair in the living room and I have a fluffy blanket. And so I put on this like a fleecy, fluffy blanket and my littlest familiar, the little tiny one I've talked about, the one who's deaf and going blind, she jumps up on the chair with me and watches uh, The Good Witch with me. My son enjoys The Good Witch as well. So he'll be playing with his Legos and doing whatever in the background. And he'll like chime in once in a while. He even knows the characters' names. So it's just a really comforting show. And I love it too, because Cassie is a witch and she doesn't she doesn't walk around telling people like I'm a witch and I do this and that. It's implied through the her, the her means and the way that she works with um solving problems and how her intuition is just such a big part of her life and how it helps guide so many other people. So this show touches on a lot of witchy things. Her daughter is also an unsaid witch who has the ability of a little bit of foresight and great intuition. And then her, is it her sister or her cousin comes into town who runs the flower shop. And she too has this, this family ability. And it's the Mary Wick family abilities because the Mary Wicks we find out, or we can assume are a family of witches. So anyway, I'm rambling on and on now about The Good Witch, but I just had to tell you because that is what is currently making me feel comfy, cozy, and witchy, and it was so needed um, this week, so it was the perfect time to watch and enjoy that. But before I do transition to the next segment really quick, I, I realize I didn't say Cassie's full name. Her name is Cassie Nightingale, and she comes from the Mary Wick family line, but I resonate with her so much. If I were to pick a witch in pop culture that I would be, it would have to be Cassie Nightingale. She is the kindest witch. She does so much for other people. Like I said, she's comfy cozy. She runs a bed and breakfast, which would be amazing to get to to do some of that and own, open your home to other people to help them with their problems. She also runs her quaint little bell, book, and candle, perfectly magical shop, and helps everybody there. If, like I said, and she she loves her tea, I love these things. If I were to be a witch from pop culture, it would be Cassie Nightingale. And if you haven't checked out the show, you know, just watch an episode or two, see what you think. It's definitely not for everybody, but it is definitely something that resonates with me and that I really enjoy watching. 
now we're moving on to the story you've probably been waiting for of me connecting with my ancestors when I was very young through a Ouija board and how this experience experience um, kind of brought out the witchy side of me. And I want to start by saying I, from a very young age, I mean, from the time I was probably six or seven years old, I knew that there was more to this world. I knew that it wasn't just us, that there there were other uh, beings, entities, I don't know if that's the right word, but that, that the veil was something. And that when ancestors and people crossed over, they could they could come back. And I think part of this was the fact that I grew up in a house that was haunted <laughs> or seen as haunted by all of my friends and my family knew about it. There was a woman my brother used to always see with a little dog and he would see in, in pockets and corners of our house. And my brother, who was very and still is to this day, very no nonsense, doesn't He's not a storyteller. He doesn't elaborate or embellish things. He would, I remember him coming to breakfast saying, at the breakfast table, very nonchalantly, like, oh, dad, I saw the woman with with a dog again outside your bedroom. And of course, my parents, I remember at the time, would look at each other and me like, what? Oh my goodness, what is he talking about? And then I started to experience some things in that home when I was very young. So again, from a young age, I... I had a belief in supernatural, and I always had an interest in in witchcraft and the occult. And this was even before I had learned of my ancestors and my family as folk healers. Like I didn't even know that they practiced this magical folk healing tradition. This was way before that. So I guess it was in me already, and I could sense that at a very young age. So... Fast forward from young age, growing up in this haunted house, I was still living in this haunted house and I had a friend named Beth and we played, I remember we played um, little like softball at the time, like kids softball at the time. And Beth and I, well, I had a Ouija board. My mom got me a Ouija board when I was very young. And, you know, you're thinking this is early 90s. Ouija boards were really popular during that time. And I just, I do want to just mention when it comes to Ouija boards, remember, it's it's just a board that's manufactured in in a plant with a whole bunch of other games, like game boards. And, and so I think people are so afraid of Ouija boards. And I personally don't think that there's much to be afraid of, especially if you protect yourself. But as a child working, you know, playing with a Ouija board, I guess this experience was a little bit different. So let me, I digress. I'm probably going to have to edit that part out. Maybe I won't. We'll see. So my friend Beth and I decided one day we were going to play with the Ouija board that we had at our house. And before this, my brother and I had played with it once in a while, but not, not seriously. Like we've just, we just tinkered around with it. And a couple of my other friends And at that point, I know that other friends were moving it. You know, we would laugh and joke about it and whatever. And remember, I'm 11 years old at this time. So my friend Beth came over one day and we got out the Ouija board and we're sitting in the playroom. And I grew up in a Victorian style home with a turreted section. And as I said, my brother had seen the ghost. I had experienced the ghost. I always wanted to see the woman and the white dog. 
but never saw her except just like in the flicker of my eye and lights would, you know, the lights would go on and off. So I didn't get to experience it like my brother, but we got out the Ouija board, my friend Beth and I, and I really wanted to experience something. And I remember we sat down on the wood floor, we set the Ouija board down and we asked essentially spirits who wanted to contact us to contact us. And at 11 years old, I hadn't, I was fortunate enough to not have lost anybody close to me at that point. So I wasn't asking to talk to anyone in particular, but I just wanted a spirit to contact me because I was a kid and thought, oh, this this would be cool. So my friend Beth and I put our, our hands in the planchette. And of course, I didn't know what that was at the time. I didn't know what it was called. And we we asked whoever wanted to come through to come through. So I believe first we probably asked, is somebody here? And it went to yes. And Beth and I, I remember the look of fear in her eyes. I was, I was scared, but I was intrigued. Beth was scared. You know what, Liz. And she looked at me and said, did you move that? And I was like, no. And I'm like, did you move it? And she said, no. You know, that, that argument is two young girls going back and forth. You moved it. You moved it. And we both swore up and down. We did not move the planchette. So we asked the next question. We knew somebody was there. Um, we asked, who are you? And this was in my playroom where I had all my art supplies too. So I had pen and or marker and paper handy. I remember writing it down in orange marker then the the letters that were spelled out. So we asked, who are you? And the planchette slowly moved and spelled out two names. The first name was Florence and the second name was Rusty. And at that point, Beth freaked out. She was done. She was done. I swore I didn't move it. She swore she didn't move it. Neither of us knew anybody named Florence and Rusty. And at that point, we, we put the Ouija board away. I didn't touch it again because I was kind of scared. I will admit, even though I wanted to be able to, to see spirits and talk to spirits, I was a little bit freaked out as an 11-year-old that these two names, names that I never would have used in the 90s, Florence and Rusty. And I remember being so scared. We put it away. We went outside and played outside. I remember jumping on the swing set. So you know how there are those days that you vividly remember? This is one of those days I vividly remember. I remember everything, how it happened. So we ran outside and played on the swing set and forgot about that experience, but I never forgot about it. I never forgot the names Florence and Rusty. So fast forward five, six years later, we got the internet for the first time. It was, you know, like the 90s. We were so excited. We had the dial up that went through the phone line and I think I was only allowed on one website. It was called Yahoo Ligans. It was Yahoo for kids. But I went on Yahoo for grownups because, without my parents knowing. And the first thing I looked up was Florence and Rusty. Like that's all I typed in. I didn't know what I was doing. It was the first time I had the internet. And I typed in Florence and Rusty. And of course, nothing pops up. So we're talking years later. I'm thinking about this experience. And I thought about it years and years and years. I mean, I went off to college. 
I still, every once in a while, think of Florence and Rusty. Who are those people? Who are Florence and Rusty? I graduate college, get my first job teaching. Who are Florence and Rusty? And I'm still researching here and there, thinking that something will pop up. And, you know, never did it occur to me, and I know you're going to think, well, that's silly, Jenny, it's stupid. Never did it occur to me to ask my family because I, for whatever reason, I did not share with them the Ouija board experience. I'm not sure why, because, I mean, my my mother wouldn't have cared. I don't think my dad would have as well, but I never brought it up. It was kind of a secret that I kind of held really close to me and that only Beth and I knew about these two names, these Florence and Rusty characters. So I would look up their names over the years and look up Florence and Rusty in Pennsylvania, Florence and Rusty. And of course you find nothing because it's just two random names. And I think I found a couple entries once in a while, but nothing that resonated with me, just like coincidental things. So years go by, more years. So I am now in my 30s. I have been um, practicing my craft on and off for a number of years, always working with cards, um, always working a bit with, you know, divination, but, you know, off and on. Uh, my craft because it waxes and wanes. I went to college and I think that's just that's what happens. But I've always stayed close, you know, in my in my soul, always knowing that I had that magic within me. So I was talking to my mother a couple years back. This was only a few years ago, which is so crazy to think I didn't know who these Florence and Rusty characters were forever. And I remember I was taking my mom to the train station because she would often take the train to come visit my grandmother. So I drove my mom to the train station and she turned to me and, and we were talking about my ancestors who were folk healers. And, and so I I was asking her more questions about them because my Nana was getting older and this was, you know, of course, before she passed, because she just passed in May. And, and so I was asking my mom about my ancestors because I knew that Nana wouldn't be able to talk, you know, much more about them. And my mother was telling me about, of course, the the Brachrai, the folk healers up north, and the curse that was placed on my family at one time on all the women, which I can get into in another episode because that's a fascinating story, and and my family breaking that curse. And then she started talking about members of that family. And she said, oh, yeah, well, Uncle Billy, and Uncle Billy was, was my, my great uncle who who practiced the folk healing. And I knew about that for years. I remember he used to go under the moon when I was a kid and he would dance under the moon uh, when I was a child. I remember uh, my mom talking about that and loving every bit of it. So my Uncle Billy had many siblings that I didn't know about that had passed early on. And she was going through the names of the siblings. And then she said, oh yeah, and Aunt Flo, Aunt Florence. And I was like, wait, there's a Florence? There's a, we have an Aunt Florence? And of course, the first thing in my mind is Florence and Rusty. Oh my gosh, this is Florence. This is Florence. And then she said, yeah, Aunt Florence, you know, Uncle Billy's sister. And I said, Mom, don't ask me. I'll explain why I'm asking you this. But was there an, a Rusty? And she said, no, no Rusty. But Aunt Flo, Aunt Florence was married to Uncle Rush. And it was like, 
the wind just came right out of me. And as I'm, I'm, as I'm relaying the story right now, I'm actually shaking a little bit because it just, not out of fear, obviously, but it, it was such a huge moment. Like that connection, that, that initial connection with them when I'm 11 years old and not realizing 20 years later who they were, that I had connected with my ancestors at such a young age. And, and mom said, no, it's Rush, Florence and Rush. And, you know, I thought back to that day with the Ouija board and in my mind, it was Florence and Rusty and I'm playing over and over the Ouija board and thinking, well, you know what, maybe it never actually spelled out Rusty or it was Rush, you know, and we, we rushed to then to finish with the Ouija board because my friend and I were scared, but, and it intuitively, intuitively in that moment, I knew Aunt Florence and Uncle Rush had contacted me and then I mean, then I told my mom the story. I had never told anybody except Beth, the one who, you know, we experienced it together. I told my mom about that. And she said, well, absolutely. That's who did it. Um, And my mom, my mom has always had some magic in her as well. And I've talked about this, I think, on my lives before. But she said, well, that's who connected, who was contacting you years ago, guaranteed. And I knew it. I knew it in my soul. That's who was contacting me. And I didn't know for what reason. Um, And I still don't know. And maybe I I could try to work and figure it out. But I don't need to know that right now. I'm not, it's not something I'm called to know with working with my ancestors. But it did solidify that experience when I was 11 years old that, oh my goodness, Aunt Florence and Uncle Rush contacted me through this, the Ouija board. And, you know, my grandmother passed away in May. And she had, oh, she had pictures. She had pictures from, I mean, we're talking the 30s and 40s. And so we, I went to my Nana's house after she passed. And I sat with my mom and my aunt. And we sat at the kitchen table, we let incense or lit incense. And we went through all the pictures. And it was funny because we're, we're flipping through the pictures. And now this is just a few months back. This is in the summer. Flipping through the pictures. And I stop in my tracks. And it's a picture of a man with like a bowler style hat and a woman in a very plain dress standing, looking right at the camera, black and white, smiling. And I held up the picture to my mom and I said, is this Florence and, and Rush? And she said, oh, it is. And I knew it. It was, it was so strange and reaffirm, like confirming. And it was just, I had a lot of emotions. I said, this is Florence and Rush. So I I was like, mom, can I keep this picture? And she said, obviously go for it. So now I have that picture Um, and I keep it with me. So, because they were the first ones that contacted me. So yeah, that is, that's the story of my ancestors reaching out to me when I was very young but not realizing who they were until 20 years later. But that has just made my practice these last four or five years, I think even stronger. It just reminding me that we always have that connection with ancestors and of those who've passed, whether we realize it or not, Because I may not have ever known who Florence and Rusty were if I didn't have that conversation with my mom. Maybe it never would have come up because they were, you know, great, great aunts and uncles. And, but it was meant to come up. 
Um, but even if it didn't, they were still with me at that time. Maybe I didn't realize it. And, and they are, they are still with me and just shows me and gives me some hope, I guess, for this Samhain because I can, it, it gives me hope that I can contact my Nana, that I'll be able to get some closure with her uh, because I hadn't been able to do that. And if I don't, maybe I will eventually one day. I don't want to push it. Um, someone asked me recently how I go about doing my ancestor work and for me, you know, I light a candle, I sit at my altar, I have my offerings for my ancestors, and I just sit in silence. I sit in quiet and meditation and listen, feel, you know, really listen to my senses, listen to my intuition, any senses I get. And the thing is, when you're doing ancestor work or any work with spirit, even connecting with your guides, you might want it to happen so bad. But it doesn't mean it's going to happen. It can take years until you can contact them. It took me months until I spoke with my first guide, my first guide on my spirit team. And I'd known that he was there, but it took me months to figure out who he was, what he was. So when you're sitting down and, and you're wanting so badly for something to happen uh, in connecting with spirit or connecting with ancestor, just don't put, so, don't put a lot of pressure on yourself because I think it will happen in its own time. Look at me, Florence and Rusty and Rush, you know, connected with me when I was 11 years old. And it took 20 years until everything unraveled and I figured out who they were. And now I can just start working with them. So it definitely takes some time. So I think I I know I just rambled on a little bit longer than I intended to at the end there. But I just had those points that I I wanted to get out to not put any pressure or expectation on yourself going into Samhain and, and trying to work with your ancestors or trying to connect with anyone. It's it's difficult and it takes work and it takes time. And, and you are extremely lucky if you can connect with them the first time you sit down in front of your altar. Um, it did not, that did not happen with me. It's taken a long, quite some time to connect with, with my guides and my ancestors. I also get assistance when connecting with my ancestors because I I struggle sometimes to do that. I struggle to quiet my mind enough and that's something that I continue to work on, that grounding and really quiet my quieting my mind. And so I I have some go-to people and mediums that I speak with if I want to get messages from ancestors. One is local to where I used to live. I'll get in contact with her. So if you want to reach out and you want to connect Someone find a reliable medium who is trusted and you know either personally or you know somebody else who has used them um, and, and go to them for assistance if you if you really want to contact some of your ancestors. And so you can do it in a really nice, safe space as well. So that's a little bit about my ancestor story. <laughs> Pretty crazy, maybe not to you, but to me it was, and it was so powerful and so meaningful. And it did, that experience years ago did inform my magic and my practice over the years because I was constantly in touch with that. I was constantly thinking about it and knowing that the possibility of reaching ancestors and reaching through another realm was completely possible. And I always believed it, but that just helped me believe it even more. 
And then, of course, years later, finding that out, it just reaffirmed what I've been doing and that, you know, this is, this is true. They've been with me the whole time. So yeah, that's the story. And I hope you enjoyed it. I will one day jump, have a podcast episode where I talk about the house that I grew up in. It was haunted and the spirits that were in that house. Um, I will also talk at some point because I know a couple of you asked me to about the background of magic in my family and the tradition of folk healers that, that I come from. And I mentioned the curse that was placed. I'll bring that up at some point as well. The curse that was placed on a branch of my family, on the women in particular, by another by another woman. And how the family went about in reversing that. And then at some point, I will also talk about the, the binding spell that we found just when we were going through my grandmother's belongings that were in her belongings, this binding spell that we found and what it might mean. But that's all for another episode or other episodes because I have so many topics to talk to you all about. So many comfy, cozy topics and, and more. So yeah, thank you for that. And now I will move on to the card, the card pool. So today I'm pulling from my Zend Out ritual deck, which as you know, has become my go-to deck of oracle cards. I pull from every single morning. It gives me my morning guidance. And so let's go choose a card. Okay, and this week it is, ooh, the Violet Candle. So the Violet Candle, Violet (laughs) Candle represents spirituality, magic, and attunement. And wow, is this not a perfect draw for Samhain? I mean, as we move, we go into Samhain, the Witches New Year, this is great. All about magic, attunement, spirituality. And the, the mantra for this, which is beautiful, is magic is all around me. So keep that in mind. Remember that magic is all around you. This time of year, any time of year, any day of the week, magic is all around you. And keep coming back to that magic. So the violet candle is here to offer you magic on your journey. So whatever journey you're on, um, your spiritual journey, it's here to offer you some magic. And one of the biggest hurdles to being in perfect alignment with the universe is believing that you are, believing that you are magic. So trust that even in the face of challenges or hardships, you are exactly where you need to be. You are in perfect attunement with the universe, with your magic, with where you need to be. So some correspondences that go along with the violet candle are your third eye chakra. So being open up, you know, opening your intuition, the crown chakra as well. It is associated with air and it's also associated with, oh, of course it is the full moon. And, you know, spirit knows, spirit always knows this. I I choose these cards out of 78 cards. This is the card that was chosen today as we approach Samhain. This is all about your magic. And of course, this represents the full moon as well. 
So here's a little ritual if you would like to do with the a violet or purple candle. So in the light of the full moon, which is going to be, of course, tomorrow, <laughs> in the light of the full moon, light a violet candle, indulge your senses in an assortment of rituals for this magical full moon. So light some frankincense or myrrh. You can use resin, candles, incense. Do all this to open your third eye and to connect to the air element. Place an amethyst crystal over your third eye or even two quartz crystals or hold them in the palms of your hands to connect with your intuition and balance your body. And if you don't have um, any of this, any, any crystal will do, that's fine, or any visual, visualization of a crystal. Visualize a gold and rainbow ball of light streaming through your crown chakra and enveloping your body. Remain still and focused on your breath for five minutes or more and be aware of how attuned you feel to Mother Earth and to your innate magic and to the magic all around you. That's just a really beautiful ritual. And, you know, going into the witch's new year at a full moon during Samhain, that's a beautiful ritual to, to remind you of your magic. And I'm sure some of you, you have other rituals planned, some banishing, some releasing rituals, maybe some manifestation, because this is a time of year for all of those things. Um, but this is just another one that you could contemplate doing if you want to be a little more connected to your intuition and a little more connected to your magic. So there you have it, the violet or purple candle. Well, thank you for joining me. I did want to make a quick note. I, I'm releasing this episode a few days earlier than I had intended because I was so excited to tell the story and share it with you all before Samhain. So in the segment where I talked about the card pull, obviously the the full moon is not tomorrow. <laughs> it won't be until Samhain. So I just wanted to clarify that. I also wanted to say thank you to my listeners, to everybody who has commented and liked and direct messaged me and sent me emails about the podcast your comments and feedback and just overall encouragement is what makes me want to continue to do this. It's always nerve wracking to put yourself out there, especially on a new venture, you know, creating a podcast like this. And so your comments have really, it it's really meant the world to me. So thank you. I really am grateful for that. And if you feel so inclined to either rate or review, or both rate and review and subscribe to this podcast. That would be amazing. I know on Apple Podcasts uh, that you get more visibility, the more people rate. And right now I have five ratings, five five-star ratings. So I don't know who, who rated it, but thank you. That just puts a huge smile on my face. So I really do appreciate it. So thank you for tuning in. Uh, the next episode will release next week where I will talk about, well, I'm not quite sure yet. I have a whole list, two notebook pages worth of topics that either people requested or reached out to ask me about. So I'm really excited to dig into one of those. So until then, my witchy friends, stay comfy, cozy, and witchy.